Hello and welcome to the Life Enchanted podcast. We're on a mission to optimize our lives through faith, health, wisdom, and much more. Thank you for joining us on our journey. Here now is our host, Nick Carlisle. What is good, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to Life Enchanted. My name is Nick Carlisle, and I have the pleasure of being your host as we nerd out on all things faith, health, interesting, and optimizing. The goal here is to help you live a better life, my friends. Simple as that. And selfishly, it helps me as well as I am forced to rearticulate things and teach things to you guys and dive deep into content with guests who have valuable wisdom to share with the world. So it is a win-win for both of us. Praise God for the internet. A couple of things before we dive into today's episode. First, hit me up on Instagram, at nick.carlisle, that is. I am very active on there and would love to connect with you guys personally. Also, I encourage you to check out my website. That's www.mylifeenchanted.com. On there, you can inquire about my holistic life coaching services. You can check out the Truth Pack, which is a little something that's been tremendously helpful and valuable for me in my morning routine and in my pursuit to optimize my day. You can also check out some shirts and hoodies I designed. There's a free 25-page eating guide on there, a little PDF I developed. I'll put the link to all of that in the show notes below this episode. Lastly, and most importantly, please leave a rating and possibly write a review of Life Enchanted on whatever podcast platform you're using. I'm trying to grow this thing, and I need you guys to help me do that. You play an integral part there. So sharing any of my content on Instagram or any of these podcast episodes would be so much appreciated, and I will love you forever. But that's enough of the housekeeping items from me. Now let's dive into today's episode. For this episode, I am back for a third time with the man Morgan Snyder. He is my first three-time guest on the podcast, y'all, and as you will see, that is because of obvious reasons. I could easily do a podcast with Morgan once a month, I feel like. He's just super insightful and genuine and faithful in his vocation, and he always has really deep, interesting points to make about a wide variety of subjects regarding faith and manhood and hunting and all sorts of interesting topics. So I always leave our conversations feeling energized and inspired and appreciative of who God made him to be. Uh, Morgan is a disciple. He is a husband, a father, an entrepreneur, a teacher, a writer, and a speaker. His book, Becoming a King, is one of my favorite nonfictions I've ever read. Highly recommend it if you have not checked it out. There's also a workbook and a video series that goes along with that book as well. That's great for small group discussions and Bible studies and stuff like that. You can check out everything Morgan Snyder at becomegoodsoil.com, which I will link to in the show notes. But for now, please enjoy this interview with Morgan Snyder. Dude, so so your book, Becoming a King, I've talked a lot about it on the podcast. I've talked a lot about it on Instagram. I've done a couple of different guys' studies on it, along with the workbook and the video series. And it's been out there for about a year and a half now. And it's just, it's phenomenal content, dude. You, you can tell that it's authentic and, and genuine coming from your heart. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's so moving and so helpful, but I'm just curious how, how you are looking at it right now and how you've seen God use it over the last year and a half. What, what is your, what has been your experience with it since publishing it and since it it got released to the wild? You know, it's interesting, Nick, um, the, you know, God is always on time. And I think my first reaction is here I am publishing kind of my life's work up through my mid forties. And it's about to launch in a pandemic, the world's first pandemic of our generation where bookstores are closed. There's no way to buy a book in person. And you go, this is madness. This is the absolute worst possible time to ever launch something to the world. And I sense the Holy Spirit said, stay the course. 
Like, don't throw a wrench in what I'm doing. Don't oversolve this, which is my propensity and my false self. So mm. um, we launched and God's been in it. It feels beautifully on time for what's happening in the world. And God is wildly reaching so many hearts. It's fascinating, Nick. What I'm seeing now a year and a half is there's just this increase of group after group after group that's going through it over time. You know, mm. the power of the workbook, the study guide, the video series, the Becoming King experience, it's designed to go through slowly, personally and with others. And so it's super fruitful, um, super move that I, I, I risk trusting God on his timing when it wasn't the time to sell books, but it was time to get the message out, which is God's heart. And I think the last thing I'd offer is when you ask that question, what comes to me is stewardship. You know, what do I do with what's been entrusted to my care? So in the world of publishing, like my book is so yesterday. There have been 40,000 new titles per year hit the market. I mean, my book's a dinosaur in the modern world, but in the kingdom, it's my post. And so the question is, how do I steward what's been entrusted to my care? So the publisher, it's moved on to, to newer things, shinier things. But me, I feel like it's just getting started. And so I am right in the middle of the launch, not the publisher's launch, but my stewarding the message. And so now I'm getting to dig even deeper with men like you. Like you said, you've processed through it. You've walked with men. Hopefully there's a whole nother round of deeper questions that are coming. And just even some of the mm -hmm. questions we talked about before this, I love what you're excavating. It's a deeper mm -hmm. cut. So it's on time. God's on time. Feels like it's just getting started. And it's it's a really holy um, gift that's been given to me to steward this message. So awesome, man. Super rad to see from an outsider's perspective as well, just how the father is using you, dude. It's inspiring. And it's, I, I love it, dude. It's, I'm a, I'm a big fan of what's occurring over there in Colorado. So keep going, man. Keep Thanks. going. Thank yeah, you. Dude. You use this language uh, in the kingdom in your last response. You talked about the kingdom and the kingdom of God is something that I love to learn about and something that I love to talk about and something that I feel like I didn't really understand. I grew up in the church and I never really understood or it never really was taught to me just the importance of the kingdom and what that looks like in day to day living. So I know that like a, a lot of your mentors talk about it. But uh, specifically Dallas Willard. He talks a lot about the kingdom and I love his teachings on it. But what do you think about when you think about the kingdom of God or or what does it mean to you, Morgan? Yeah, what a beautiful question. You know, the first thing that comes to my heart, Nick, is it is a war between two realities. Mm -hmm. I think the best movie that comes to mind, you know, I wrote about becoming king is The Matrix. Right, you have what feels like the real world. And then Thomas Anderson isn't totally convinced that the cubicle, that the computer screen, the eight to five is actually real. And the beauty of the story is he takes a risk, he not the blue pill, but the red pill, the blood of Christ. He goes from Thomas Anderson to Neo, the new man. And with a small group, of heroic barbarians among the Nebuchadnezzar. They mm -hmm. work to set the people free from a reality that's actually not true. Mm -hmm. you, know, you referenced Dallas, Nick. I think for me, I have to start with Dallas's very heady definition of it is God reigning. It, mm -hmm. it, it's, it's the kingdom of God is present, Dallas would say, where what God wants done is done. And, and, and you think about that, and it sounds super big and spiritual, but like I, I drive an old truck and the brakes started grinding yesterday. And so one of the very best things in my world is my mechanic, Mike, who owns Japanese auto. He's owned it for 36 years. On his desk is a, is a corded phone and a Rolodex, which my, my daughter had no idea what a Rolodex was of all these index cards. Nothing's changed in his shop since then. 
He's an honest mechanic, which sounds like an oxymoron. <laughs> so my kingdom is my will to steward the care of my truck. And his kingdom is to steward the care of his customers. And so he called, or I called him, said, hey, I'm dropping it off, threw my key in a box, signed no papers, and called him back today. And he's like, we're working on it now. Your rotors are shot. We always do front rotors, shopped around for brakes, got your brakes, it's done. He didn't call and see if I wanted to do the work and what the estimate would be. He didn't upsell me with other things. He's an honest man that he knows has really good prices and he knows I'm bringing it with a posture of trusting his leadership over my vehicle. He's an example of a man who's reigning and ruling well over his kingdom. And so the kingdom, I think the last thing I'd add, Nick, is the kingdom is at hand. Jesus has this teaching where he says, repent and believe for the kingdom is at hand. He he says the kingdom is here and now. And so we talk about this, this theology of salvation, like it's something coming. It's a transaction to get to something coming. But Jesus says the kingdom is here. Well, if the kingdom is here, well, where is it? And I believe that the line between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world is permeable and it divides people and places, geographies, buildings, companies, communities, and schools. And so the kingdom is about us. And there is God's kingdom, there's our kingdom that in different ways overlaps God's kingdom. But at the end of the day, what I would suggest is it's closer than we think, it's more real than what we would call reality. And it's everything true, good, and beautiful, and it's accessible, and it's where we were meant to live. Mm -hmm. How has your view of the kingdom shifted as you have become more spiritually mature? You know, I didn't think about the kingdom. Um, mm -hmm. When I was not in Christ, I, I lived according to my kingdom. It was all, it was a self-centered view of reality. So it was about my desires, my dreams, my, my uh, achievement. And so coming to Christ was yielding to God. But Nick, I wouldn't say I thought in terms of kingdom. I thought in terms of transactional. I now have incorporated beliefs. And now through those beliefs, I'm going to be a good man and go to heaven. And so it was just about bringing, I think, what I would call love into the world, but it was actually very naive. That's the word that comes because I didn't appreciate the kingdom of this world is at war with the kingdom of God. We have real enemies that have hijacked power from the kingdom of God. Every demon is a fallen angel. That's a big deal. Mm -hmm. They were created to be glorious beings and they were embodied with so much power. You know, two angels slaughtered two cities, Sodom and Gomorrah. That's some firepower. Well, those angels are at or, or those angels and demons are at work. There's a spiritual war. And so now uh, there's more than God in my view of reality. And there are spiritual beings in, entrusted with enormous power. There's a realm. You there, Morgan? Yes. Can you hear me? My bad. You just broke up. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. So there's a lot more to to the king to to reality than God. There is God in His kingdom. There are spiritual beings. There is a realm in which we can tap into power from God's kingdom, and we are meant. Our job description is to partner with God in the ruling and reigning of his kingdom. That is to say, to bring forth more and more of his kingdom on earth as it is in the spiritual realm. In other words, God wants things to be done a certain way, and we're designed to partner with him to see that it's done, whether that's social, political, environmental, relational, in our neighborhood, in our own bodies. How do we bring the kingdom? And so that's where my thinking is, there's no line between sacred and secular. Wendell Berry says, everything is either sacred or desecrated. And mm. so my work is to take desecrated things and repair and 
bring them back into connection and care with God so that all things can become sacred. And one day everything will be restored. And that's my great hope. Dang, you keep, you just broke up quite a bit as well at the end of that, man. Can you hear me? All right. Yeah, I can hear you. I can hear you perfectly fine. Dang it. Let me, um, maybe I'll turn off my wife. And I'm recording on my end and I can hear you perfectly. So let's just assume we yeah. got it and I'll send you yeah. this. Let's, let's assume we're getting it and then I can send you on my end because you sound great. Beautiful. Let's keep going then. Sweet. How does the present moment relate to all of this kingdom of God concept? Nick, that's a very important question. And, and Lewis is the one that really helped me with this is the present moment this is so hopeful, is the place and the only place that we can access the kingdom. Mm -hmm. It's fascinating. You can't access the kingdom in the past by living with regret. You can't access the kingdom by living your spirit into the future of fear or worry or assumption. Um, but you can access the kingdom of God in the present moment. So I was looking through pictures this weekend of my son when he was zero to three years old. Uh, I'm working with a counselor, do some healing work in my own story. And it led me into these pictures. And Nick, I was looking in pictures of the past, but in the present moment, Jesus was showing me how much of the father heart of God in my gaze, in the eyes of my son, my attention towards my son, my affection and delight from zero to three formed his, his, his identity of what the father is like. And it brought up all sorts of grief for me of what I lacked zero to three in my own life that I didn't have awareness of before one week ago. And so I'm using pictures from the past, but it's the present moment. What am I going to do with the with my heart? Am I going to just have nostalgia, which is just the enemy's way of keeping me from the present moment? Or am I going to be in this moment to say, Jesus, you've orchestrated this. And, and I am going to take my three-year-old boy that is malnourished that needs food from my father and i'm going to give him over to the heart of god and this is the moment and in this moment my cell phone's blowing up and there's three texts i can do and i need to winterize my sprinkler system and there's a thousand reasons to leave the present moment but this is the only place i can access the kingdom of god mm. All right, my friends, quick pause to shout out one of my favorite clothing companies, Viore. That's V-U-O-R-I. If you know me, you know that I am a sucker for well-fitted, durable, versatile, and stylish clothing, and Viore is just that, and I rock their stuff all the time, whether I'm working out or at the beach or hiking or at church or on a date night with the wife. I feel like I'm constantly wearing Viore. My favorite products right now are their Tuvalu tee, which is probably the best-fitting tee I've ever found. Uh, their core shorts, and their Ponto performance pants. Viore's goal was to build men's and women's activewear that did not look like activewear, and they certainly achieved that goal. And for listeners of Life Enchanted, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So go and get yourself or your loved ones or whoever some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at vioreclothing.com slash enchanted. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash enchanted not only will you get 20 percent off your first purchase but you will also enjoy free shipping on any u.s orders over 75 dollars and free returns as well just go to vioriclothing.com slash enchanted and discover the versatility of viore clothing how do you cultivate the ability to be more present how do you because to me it's it's almost a skill that can be developed how, right how and does that's one go about doing that yeah it's like sex like yeah. you have to practice <laughs> you have to yeah. practice if you yeah. want to be good at sex nobody is great at sex in high school <laughs>
That's it. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And nobody starts being good at living in the present moment, but it starts with practice. And it and as we practice, what we find is the first thing we cultivate is an awareness of how little we live in the present moment. And that's mm -hmm. a really good thing. Like Nick, what's so beautiful about discipleship is that's the on-ramp. The Holy Spirit has this way of fine-tuning our apprenticeship to meet us precisely where we are, to be on time and in step. And so the, the Holy Spirit will constantly dial back to say, okay, too big of a step, here's your on-ramp, here's your on-ramp. And so what I would say is it starts with a practice. So we have this one minute pause app that we use and uh, it's available for free online. And it's a way of just taking 60 seconds to center, just to be still, recover your breath. You know, Lectio Divina is a great 365 day devotional pause app. And it's uh, every, every day the prayer begins, you know, we pause, and we gather our scattered attention, our scattered parts back on the presence of God. Just that, just that prayer. If you would pray that every day, God, we pause and we gather our scattered attention and our scattered affection here and now into the present moment with God. That, that'll change your life. And so I would say, we we learn by practicing you learn to pray by praying and there's no shortcut and that is not the answer our flesh wants to hear but it works mm -hmm. yeah how do you think about this idea of meditation and mindfulness as it relates to a disciple i know those words are really in vogue right now and it's becoming really popular and a lot of their traditions have roots in eastern different religions but how do you look at that morgan yeah, well, all, all those words are very loaded. You know, there's a mm -hmm. lot of words that are loaded in our culture. And so I think what I'd say is whatever mindfulness or meditation triggers for you, the question is the, the question behind the question is what is the deeper thing we're after? And what we're what we're after as as Christ followers in that is how do we come into the present moment and reestablish or repair or strengthen our union with God? Right? Jesus lived out of this robust well union. It's unbelievable. You just read through the Gospel of John, and Jesus's life makes no sense apart from union with the Father. He, mm -hmm. he, he we're, we're designed for dependency, and we fight it all of our days. And so I'll give a simple, and, and so mindfulness is intended to be practice that leads the soul to a place of union with God, accessing God, united with God, below thinking, mm -hmm. and below our best thoughts. Um, it involves thinking, but it's more than thinking. And so there's all sorts of ways I practice it. But for this moment, just a fresh example, I dropped Abigail off at school this morning, and I was pretty frustrated for for different reasons and i had a big day ahead of me and i was was ready to kind of throw down in prayer which actually would not have been helpful because my prayers were would have been more about doing and not about being but mm -hmm. real for real prayer flows out of being and becoming and so the holy spirit led me to pull the minivan over because my truck's in the shop and I'm in my wife's minivan in no parking zone. And I put it in park and I breathed for 60 seconds. Mm. And it was recover my breath, allow my body to regulate my spirit to say here and now, I choose to access God in his kingdom. I choose to respond to the one who is pursuing me. And I didn't think a lot about a lot of things. I just opened my heart to the love of God. It's like I'm a sailboat in the wind. I hoisted my sail. The image I had was I was a little kid playing in the stream and the stream was beautiful. And what's a boy doing a stream after he jumps in it? He gets a bunch of rocks and builds a dam. And I felt like my weary soul, my dry soul needed a, a river, a pool of fresh water. And so in my 
breathing for 60 seconds, I grabbed rocks and I built a dam and I watched the water collect and rejuvenate me. And that is an example of, of an infinite number of examples, but that's one way to practice mindfulness mm -hmm. in our everyday life. Yeah, that's beautiful, man. Thank you for sharing that. Talk to us more about this idea of being versus doing, because I, I agree. I think we have this propensity to, to do and to ask and to take action, but there's a beauty in the stillness of being. Can you talk to us about that? Yeah, we, we are human doers in our false self. We're, we're not human beings, we're human doings. And we do, 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 and it's perpetuated by a violent culture we live in. And I don't mean violence like the news, I mean violence to our soul. Hmm. We, we, we are not in the world in which we were created. And we react by doing and, and what I would say, Nick, what comes up is it's a false comforter. Mm. And here's how we pull the bandaid off or pull the scab off the wound. Just be. Yeah. What happens when you choose being over doing? Yesterday, we had a, a, a time with our, our leadership team to pray as we do every Tuesday. And and this this time john was leading us and he said here's what we're going to do instead of pray we're, we're actually going to actually take the next 20 minutes and just go just go and be with god because what we need is to just be and not do and so i sat in my chair in my office and just recovered my breath and what i noticed first is how fast the pace was of my thinking of my doing and the real magic of masculine initiation is to be well in our soul. Wherever we are, whether we're in a closet, at a school, in the midst of a busy day to record a podcast, whether we're just coming off of a really hard conversation with our wife, whether we're in the midst of peace or war, whether we have plenty or we find ourselves in need, that we are well in our soul being is a condition from which we were meant to live and engage our everyday ordinary life and so the more we recover our being well the more we find that our doing falls in alignment with who god is and with what he's doing and with how he's doing it we literally take on the theology of paul that he packs unpacks in romans that it's a god-centered life it's a response-based life where we live in uh, oswald chambers phrase in his grip in other words when paul says we actually become a slave to christ and i used to ah, i used to prickle at that i don't want to be a slave to christ i don't want to be a slave to anyone or anything mm -hmm. and i've learned oh we're creatures designed for dependency. And so by design, we are all slaves to someone or something. And so the question is, who is your master? Mm -hmm. And the invitation of the gospel is to have a master, to consent to a master who's utterly good, true, and beautiful, and has your best interest at the center of his heart, that he's actually orchestrating for your very best life, the very best life that you, could ever have is Nick Carlisle or Morgan Snyder when we consent to becoming a slave that Paul says, I'm literally on assignment of the master as a servant, as a bond servant, as a slave to the one who makes me who I am. And that is empowering. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's almost a paradox because under that type of slavery, there's freedom, complete freedom. Right. And, and then that's the only place that we even find freedom. Mm. And that's, yeah, that is the paradox and the mystery of the gospel. Well said, Nick. Thanks, dude. Maureen, you talk quite a bit about humility in becoming a king and just the importance of choosing to take the lowest seat and to value others more than yourself and all that. Um, can you talk about that that idea and how we balance that posture of humility 
while at the same time maintaining this mindset of confidence to thrive in vocation or business or career or whatever? Like, how, how do you balance those two things? Because on one end, it's like, yeah, be, be humble and put others above yourself and, um, you know, t- take the lowest seat. And then on the other hand, it's like, man, I, I, I want to excel in this and I want to push my business to the top or, you know, how do we balance those two mindsets? Yeah, there, there's a lot in that question. Yeah, um, oh, totally. man. And, and like you said, Nick, there's loaded words, right? Like the word humility. Oh, man, it's so loaded. And the word vocation I means mm-hmm. so everyone brings an agenda with those words. We have to be really careful as we unpack those. Um, and there's a lot there. But let me just say this, uh, maybe a word on vocation. I just love this quote from Dallas Willard on vocation where he says, I don't work for anyone but Jesus Christ. And because I work for Jesus Christ, I'll do a much better job for the people who think I'm working for them. (laughs) Isn't that so good? That is awesome. So good. Right. You and I are both working for people today that think we are working for them. But in fact, I work for Jesus Christ. And actually, that's the most honoring that we could ever on most honoring posture we could ever have towards the people on a human scale we work for because we're going to do our best greatest work we're going to walk with the greatest freedom we're going to walk the least entangled by and encumbered by outcomes or circumstances or need for validation or need for reward it's actually the greatest service we can do to walk in authenticity and so I want to expand the concept of vocation to simply ask, who is it that you're working for, really? What gets you up and who gets you up out of bed every given day? And with humility, you know, Nick, again, it's very loaded. And I use the definition, this this anach, that's harnessed strength. But I think what I would name, in other words, it's not acquiescence. It's not passivity. It's not softness. It's actually strength and power under rule, under a holy constraint. Mm. And I think what comes to mind is home is our origin and our destination. We're all looking to come home, to recover home. We have home written in the fabric of our soul as a man or as a woman is that the kingdom of god is home the kingdom of god yes it is the fullness right it's the restoration of everything of the fullness of the kingdom and so even when we taste the kingdom of god in this world it's only a doorway it's fleeting and it's passing because it's still not fully realized does that make sense Mm -hmm. yeah the now and the not yet Right. And so humility is this posture. Ultimately, Jesus, when I look into his eyes, what I see was he brought the full force of his life. Unconstrained by fear or shame, but constrained by the power and the presence of God. To enforce the kingdom of God in courage and authenticity in love in very practical ways. But he brought it from a place of identity that he had nothing to prove, nothing to fear, nothing to hide. And so it wasn't arrogance. It like it, it, it wasn't pride, which is just like self-sufficiency. It was harness strength. And so mm. I, the idea of thriving in the workplace, in my mind, is not set in opposition to, humi- to humility. They're actually one in the same. Mm. Yeah. So if I'm hearing you correctly, does it does it kind of come down to selflessly leveraging the the unique face of Christ that is being expressed through us but for the good of others and the expansion of the kingdom and just like embracing what that what those unique talents and traits and all those things are and and just leveraging them 
Um, yeah, it's, it's a good thought. I, I think I would say, therefore, it comes down to becoming who God truly meant me to be and offering that person to my world out of union with God. That's good. And there's so many limitations in that, Nick, that are good, you know, that are, that are um, helpful. Parker Palmer has the best teaching I've, I've heard on limitations. And those are our friends, mm -hmm. you know, this. And so we have a particular place in the body of Christ that's uniquely ours. It's the best life. It's the life that if we could see fully and totally out of a whole heart, everyone's life, there would be not a life that we would want more than our own. And so the question is, how do we embody our true life? And that has to do with a process. And the, and the world is not interested in process. Not when you can get Uber to deliver dinner for free, <laughs> right? And, and, and you can get anything you want almost in 48 hours at your doorstep. A mattress. Nick, I got a king-size mattress. When I ordered it on the internet, I, I just pictured like the U.S. mail truck with tie-down straps going, I want to see, I want to look on the ring doorbell and watch this delivery, right? In that world, we won't, don't want process. So everything we're talking about, it, it's a process that takes time mm -hmm. and it, it will be realized in our own souls when we participate with the process and there are things that can't be summarized um, when our souls aren't ready to receive them yet does that make sense yeah, yeah it does it does i i love that idea and i'm stealing this from david benner he has a phenomenal book that i've read 10 times in the last two years it's called the gift of being yourself it's like 100 pages easy read and there i mean Morgan, I pretty much highlighted the whole thing, man. I mean, it is it is so good. If you haven't read it, it's all about true self, false self. Um, and and just that idea that we, as you said, we have a unique place in the body of Christ that is only ours. And he he says it as a unique face of Christ. You have a unique face of Christ being expressed through you. Yes. And I, I just find so much encouragement and inspiration in that. And with that, it, it makes it easier for me to to pursue and adopt a posture of humility because it's the unique face of my creator and it's not the unique face of me it's not you know me trying to expand how you know how awesome i am or anything it's just like man this is a unique face god is inside of me wanting to express himself through me to expand his kingdom and i think that's such an empowering posture to take and uh, I found it to be super helpful yes yeah it's beautiful and that and that's something that is formed in you over time mm -hmm. right it's it's mm -hmm. age and stage appropriate and that's the the whole goal of this work is to be on time with our apprenticeship it's not one and done it's not say this prayer um and be saved he is working out our salvation within us it's a gospel of restoration of maturing as much as it is a, a gospel of salvation mm -hmm, mm -hmm. all right another loaded question coming for you morgan <laughs> so bear with me but yeah these are great questions <laughs> thank I'm you on the edge of my seat how do you balance this idea of believers being consumed by sin, by the false self be, um, versus being completely cleansed through the blood of Christ? Like, how do you balance the guilt that comes from the actions of the false self and our flesh versus the peace that comes from being in Christ? Yeah, this, this man, this is the million dollar question of spiritual formation. Um, I think I come to this question with great compassion. You know, Jesus says this fascinating thing, and he's giving counsel to some of his closest friends. Now, just think about it. You're Jesus, or you're, one, you're, you're his people. We are his people, right? And Jesus is given the pep speech, right? Go out there and save the world. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what are the first three things you hope Jesus 
you expect Jesus, let's say it this way, that you expect Jesus to say for his pep talk, you know, Joshua's going out to win the state championship game. Hopefully they're in the quarterfinals for high school football. Like what's the pep talk, right? And Jesus says this, among a few other things, clothe yourself with compassion. The clothes that you're to put on spiritually for yourself are compassion. Hmm. That Nick, that's pretty disruptive to me to start there. And I mm -hmm. will confess, I am slow to clothe myself with compassion much of the time. And so let me say this, it, it's a civil war that never is truly resolved until the moment that we step into eternity. Hmm. It, that is the deep place of the frontier of our masculine and feminine initiation. And that's why Paul's theology in Romans is so um, honest, clothing himself in compassion and hopeful. And that's what I wanna add is the hopefulness of it. Of He says, after 14 years of doing this work of becoming, he goes, what I wanna do, I don't do. And what I don't wanna do, I find myself doing, like what is going on? Mm. And you can go, I give up. I give up like this is Paul. He's a freaking rock star. Like, how am yeah. I going to do this? But actually, he's showing us something really important. He is illustrating his awareness of the civil war within. Mm -hmm. So actually, a gospel of sin management of just follow the rules so you can be self-righteous actually minimizes sin. It actually makes it a smaller story. It makes it the main yeah. story, but it's still very small. Whereas yeah. the gospel of the new heart that says we have the civil war within actually celebrates the the onomatso, the, the masterpiece, the, the image bearing of God, and also acknowledges how profound sin is and it's damaging because it says sin isn't the end of the story. And so... Mm -hmm. What I would say as I grow and heal is that these categories are both increasing in my awareness. The, the, and here's what I mean. The three most impactful sermons I ever have heard, and there's not time for all of them today, but one of them was titled, How Much Is Your Sin Going to Cost Me? It was really interesting. And it's another story for another time. Uh, we can grab that on the next podcast. But mm -hmm. the sin is, is death. The wages of sin are death. And I am appreciating the magnitude of the cost to others of my sin. Mm -hmm. And all the more I'm appreciating what it means to bear the image of God that at core, the truest thing about me is I really do love God. I really do not want to be self-promoting. That I really do want God's will and not my will to be done at my core, in my essence. And when I can believe that, Nick, that that's who I truly am, then I can look sin in the face and say, I have compassion on my soul and not go to shame, but go to curiosity of why the sin. Jesus was faced with everything we were faced with, Colossians said, but was without sin. And so it tells me when I have the fullness of Christ in me, I can be a man without sin. And so if I am in sin, I have to become curious. What's the open door? What is the root? Yeah. What is this about? Where's the access? And now it becomes actually very playful and in constructive instead of shaming mm, that's beautiful man that's beautiful thank you who um real quick who was that sermon from the how much is your sin going to cost me sermon do you mind sharing oh it's funny that you asked that it it's really funny i wonder if that's the holy spirit because it was ted haggard who was a mega church pastor that preached that message it was anointed. God totally spoke to my life. And then he was one of the many mega church pastors that had a fall. It came out. He was having anal sex and doing meth with um, a male prostitute up in Denver and blew up his wow. kingdom. And so wow. the irony of that story 
looking back was yeah. there was immense pain in his heart and he was preaching to himself and yeah. yet the unhealed portion of his soul wasn't able to receive his own message and it breaks my heart wow not wow. interesting that's super interesting yeah and just the title of that message it with that story and him being a mega church pastor that's exactly yeah wow exactly wow. and so in and so there you go is another picture of a man entrusted with power not doing the work to become wholehearted and therefore the leverage of his power ultimately multiply the impact of his sin and really cost a lot of spiritual lives there were a lot of casualties on that field and it's not an unfinished story ted's gone on and god bless him wherever he is but i'm trusting that his transformation you know continues to this day i, I don't know him personally or track with him but yeah mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a painful real life example of yeah. kings entrusted with power and what they do with it yeah wow man this is going by too quick i have so many more questions and we're running out of time so i'm trying to see where to go here but i want to ask you related to that point morgan where where specifically do you see the struggle point for the modern man like you you counsel a lot of dudes you talk with a lot of dudes um you guys do workshops and retreats and all this what what keeps coming up as kind of the one of the main struggle points for the modern man living in 2021 you know, yeah, that that's an important question. You know, Isaiah 44, 19 says, no one stops to think. No one stops to understand and discern the times. And, and part of our, our sacred trust as men is to understand the times. And there, there are some things that we could unpack for hours on discerning the spirits of the times, understanding the age in what we're in, and the, the absolute um, technological revolution and, and how that's impacting souls. But at the end of the day, if I had to summarize it in this moment, I mean, what the Spirit's putting on my heart is men are agreeing to live in the shallows. But men the are in the shallows instead of the depths of what's available in the human experience in the actual place in which we find god mm. and so we are distracted and tired and agreeing with our attention and our affection being constantly diffused and divided and you can take that kind of interpretive grid and play it out in any and every story and that's where i'm, I'm trying to access like what do we share universally and there's a lot we could mm -hmm. say at the end of the day you know nick if we don't allow our soul the depth of our being to be penetrated by the depth of god's being mm -hmm. We will miss most of what God is bringing right here and now at our fingertips as his perfectly orchestrated, intimate, joyful process of our masculine initiation. Mm. And so even I meet so many men that are really good men that are trying really hard most men, you know, I was with a counselor, um, a good friend of mine, Sam Joelman. We did this podcast on Soulcraft, and 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 I agree with him. He said most men are really trying hard. Most men are trying to be good men. They, the issue isn't trying. I'm surrounded in communities of mostly men trying, but they are falling away. They are losing heart. They are encumbered and entangled with addiction because so much of life. They are choosing to live in the shallows. And, and Lewis said it this way, where he says, the only, uh, he says, busy people are lazy people. Mm. Actually, busyness is synonymous with laziness. And I'll leave that for you to unpack. Yeah. Yeah, I see where you're getting with that. I, I like that. It reminds me too when you talk about the shallows versus the depths and just the distractions and stuff. John Mark Comer said a 
fantastic quote on the carrying you off podcast he says he was talking about social media and he said social media is great for staying on top of things but i personally am trying to get to the bottom of things that's beautiful yeah, yes that i awesome? love that i love that. that that's absolutely so good true. yeah man so good well morgan i got a couple quick fire questions for you dude before we wrap it up here um and the first one as you know i'm a high school teacher and this is a question that actually you're the first one i'm going to be asking but i think i'm going to ask my future guests this question at the end of each interview because it's it's interesting but if you were going to come into my classroom and teach my high school students for one full day anything that you wanted what topic would it be on and why Okay, so I'm going to do your fire quick fire questions. If you're willing to quick fire your questions back to me, please. I want to hear what you have to say about them. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so come into your class. I've got one day. Um, what I would teach through questions, through joy, through experience and play, I would mm. try to get to this identity. Who does God say who you are? That's so good, man. That's so good. How about you? I, I mean, I, I second what you just said, first of all, but yeah. I, I think that I would focus on awareness of the mind and how the mind ultimately creates our reality and drives our feelings and drives our actions and drives everything that we are experiencing and just becoming aware of what is occurring because i feel like that was something that i didn't learn until i was uh you know in my late 20s and it's so basic and easy i always thought i was just i was my mind and i was just constantly caught up in the rat race that was occurring up there and i didn't really understand that i could separate from it and be aware of what's going on and manage it so that's probably where i would go with it but beautiful i love it thank you morgan what are some books that have uh moved the needle for you books that have moved the needle for me you know there's i guess there's three quick responses to that there's books over my life that stand out as kind of tops there's books that are moving the needle for me today and then i but i think where i go with a question nick today is i would respond with how i'm reading a book that's moving the needle example i'm reading jr moringer's the tender bar i think it came out in 2005 I read it when it first came out and it was very impactful and I don't know why. I didn't know why. And Jesus led me to return to it about a year ago and I have been chewing on it like a dog with a bone. If you could see my paperback copy, you'd buy me a new one because you'd be embarrassed <laughs> of how bad it is. It's been wet, it's gotten dried, there's parts you can't read. and. I've gone through the whole thing at 15,000 feet multiple times, and now I'm going chapter by chapter, which most chapters are like three to four pages, and I'm chewing on it. I'm trying it on because it, great stories are mirrors for what God is exposing in our own soul, and he is a brilliant, beautiful writer, and it's all about masculine initiation. And so what I would say is it's a posture of repentance for me, Nick, is to not read a lot of books in the shallows, yeah. but instead slow down and, and, and chew on it and let it work its way in me. And that's a particular book. And there's nothing particularly special about that book more than the process in which I'm reading it, though that book has had a huge impact uh, because of God through it for me. How about mm. you? Awesome. Um, I've mentioned too that, you know, your book and the gift of being yourself. I, I, I really, over the last year, I've been trying to be intentional about going deep with a few good books, which is something that's mentioned in Becoming a King and is a Dallas Willard quote. And I'm trying to be intentional about that and books that have really resonated with me. Um, I'm trying to read over and over again. And that's why I've read yours coming up on four times um, over since it's been released. And then as well as the gift of being yourself and then divine conspiracy comes to mind. And then there's a book called the relational soul 
by the two authors that that wrote it their um, last names are plass and cofield and um it's a phenomenal read again it talks a lot about identity and true self also self and the importance of community in the believer's life and how you know we were we were born from relationship for relationship created for relationship and are sustained in relationship um and that's just such a profound read so those would be my my four that are top of mind but it's ever-changing i that's love reading great. yeah thanks those man. are great recommends and i just love the process that you are moving into and how you approach your reading and your learning good going thanks dude Appreciate it. Morgan, where can people find you online, man? How can they connect with you? Yeah, uh, I would say the main place, you know, the we're just scratching the surface here and the mission of Become Good Soil is the deep apprenticeship track for our global mission of Wild at Heart. I partner with John. And so becomegoodsoil.com is a home for podcasts and blogs and events online and live events, um, but all of it is a mission, Nick, to spread the net wide, to reach many in order that we can find the few. And it's always about the few. For me, it's about the few. And the world of Become Good Soil is fruit of Dallas's counsel, where he said one of his regrets is he wished he would have spent more time investing in fewer people. And so with all the leverage in this world and the maximizing of this world and the reach of this world, my heart is to find the few that God is entrusting for me to love with all my heart and invest in and be found at my post. And so, yeah, for listeners that are with us, that are enjoying this, that are intrigued, that are like-hearted, just like you, they can find a lot more at becomegoodsoil.com. Awesome. I'll link to that in the show notes as well. And dude, I will see you at the Become Good Soil Retreat. Yes, it's so fantastic. Yes, I'm so excited, man. I'm looking forward to getting that email and booking my flight. So thank awesome. you, man. Thank well, you, Nick, I, I'll tell you, you, I just want to pause here for just a moment and celebrate your life of um, my observation in our encounters is that you are a man who is consenting to a path and process. You're, you're a man that's living increasingly under holy constraints. You're becoming good soil and you are not wasting your pain. You carry joy, you carry light, you carry passion, you have a teacher's heart and you have strengthened me. And anytime I'm being strengthened by another person in this work, um, and I feel a reciprocity, I know back to your very first question that the kingdom of God is at hand. So I celebrate your life and your work, and I'm so honored that you're at your post. And thanks for holding up in a closet at your school and loving <laughs> me and loving your audience and your tribe as much as you're loving those young students. Morgan, thank you so much for saying that, man. I appreciate that. That means a lot to me. Awesome. All right, we'll awesome. do it again. A special thanks to King's Kaleidoscope for the music heard throughout this episode. Also, a big shout out to Capital Floats, aka my favorite sensory deprivation and float tank facility in Northern California. I'm a frequent user there, and the experience is always transformative to say the least. If you're interested in floating and live in Northern Cal, make sure you use promo code LIFEENCHANTED with no spaces at checkout on their website. You'll save a whopping 40% off your first float and you will not find that deal anywhere else. Also, in regards to some of the content shared in these episodes, make sure you always consult your doctor before making any sudden diet or lifestyle changes. If you're interested in connecting with me, you can find me on Instagram at nick.carlisle or send me an email nick at mylifeenchanted.com.